Welcome to WWDD. She has been known for dishing out advice on people's careers for the last 20 years, empowering professionals every day. As one of the top executive recruiters, Depali Vyas has reviewed more than 100,000 resumes and interviewed over 30,000 executives from startups to Fortune 500. She knows what good looks like. Get the inside scoop on what would Depali do to land that next job promotion, ask for that salary increase, or build that rock star resume. Depali is unlocking her network of industry experts and entrepreneurs to help you learn their secrets to success the real way they got it done. Now here's your host of WWDD, Depali Vyas. We are here to build a community empowering professionals every day. Disclaimer, views expressed here are solely that of Depali Vyas. Thank you everyone for tuning in to this very exciting two-part series that I've put together on the world of crypto. My next guest has taken the plunge into the nascent world of crypto. However, it has been one of the many bold moves she has been making all throughout her entire career. Janine Hightower Saletto is the Managing Director of Operations at Gemini Trust Company. In this role, she leads the client services team and is focused on enhancing the Gemini platform and experience. Janine most recently served as the Chief Operating Officer at a NASDAQ subsidiary, International Securities Exchange, an operator of all three electronic options exchanges. As COO, she was responsible for the ISC office and the ISC business management during the organization's transition to NASDAQ, which was acquired in 2016 for $1.1 billion. Janine's also held leadership roles in business development, product management, and relationship management during her 13-year tenure at ISC. Janine started her career as a financial analyst in the investment banking group at Wachovia Securities. She's a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Now let's take a peek inside to the operational world of crypto and welcome Janine to the show. Hi, Janine. Thank you for joining the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's been uh, a while since you and I have connected, so I'm excited to, to have you on. It's Women's History Month, so excited to have some trailblazing women in new and pioneering efforts in the world of crypto. Janine, can you tell everybody what exactly cryptocurrencies are? Of course I can. <laughs> cryptocurrencies are essentially digital assets. And when people say, well, what does that mean? It, it's a little bit easier to think about digital assets are a store of value that be, can be transferred digitally. And by that, I mean that it's not a promise or a credit like you would with a credit card payment or even like a check that is a promise of a payment at a future point. You're actually transmitting the value digitally. So through an email or an online mechanism without going through any kind of third party like a bank. And the way that's done is, is um, uh, using blockchain technology, mm -hmm. uh, which essentially uses mathematics and algorithms to record transactions on what is a public ledger. It, it's actually a um, publicly verifiable database that ensures accuracy and honesty for all the records that exist in the database. So people can actually transmit value directly with one another in a digital fashion. That's really uh, interesting for you know audience that may or may not exactly understand cryptocurrencies, and I think they uh, they see sort of the headlines of what Bitcoin and and other currencies, digital assets are. Uh, I think understanding that is is sort of the the starting point. What I'm really curious about is 
how did you get into the field of crypto and particularly what what drew you to this emerging industry it's it's innovative it's it's uh you know the new frontier if you will so uh really curious as to how that all happened for you i've always found myself on one side of disruptive technology and and whether it's been a conscious choice or it's just sort of something i've fallen into i think after doing this a couple times in a row i realized i'm just really naturally attracted to being slightly uncomfortable with technology in a professional career. Love it. But that's, I think, just really the root of, of, of where I'm at. Um, and so when I was looking at crypto, uh, when I was sort of looking for my next path forward, it had all of the elements of things that I liked. And I did spend a lot of time looking at crypto before ending up at Gemini. But it has, um, you know, green pastures ahead of it. It's on the cutting edge of what the world's going to look like at some time in the future. It's not clearly defined in terms of the landscape of where the winners are going to be, where they come from, who's, what businesses are going to survive in the long term, and what the technology is even going to transform to be or to mean. When we talk about uh, cryptocurrency, as you mentioned, most people think about Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of other tokens and a lot of other projects that are being worked on in, in the, um, the less popular uh, or I guess less well-known parts of the the blockchain ecosystem today. And there's a lot of new things coming to market. I've always been attracted to new and evolving technology. In in my career in the past, I've worked for an electronic options market Mm -hmm. when that market was going from a a revolution from paper-based trading to fully electronic trading. Early in my career, I worked in investment banking in the late 90s when um, the startup boom was really beginning. And and all of those uh, careers or many careers I've had over time have all had that same element of revolutionizing technology uh, at its core. And I, and I think it's a really exciting place to be. No, and that's great. And I, and I think you alluded to this. In your last role, you were the COO of NASDAQ. How is your current role at Gemini different from a traditional exchange? So just, just to clarify, I was the COO of a NASDAQ subsidiary called the International Securities Exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a startup uh, options market that revolutionized the electronic option, the options landscape in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And that business, in some ways, is very similar to Gemini. It's a market. It's focused on price discovery. Mm-hmm. We have traders and retail customers that are looking to facilitate transactions. But in many ways, it's, it's really different. Um, obviously, Gemini is a startup in a startup environment. Uh, we are sort of, um, you know, blazing forward new trails for the industry where uh, the options market I worked for was a startup in a mature industry. And so there's a lot of differences there. With, with Gemini, we face our own set of challenges that are really different than previous roles I've been in. Um, you know, in particular, you know, hiring experienced talent, evolving a company from a really small startup to mm-hmm. a much larger one. I think we're at somewhere like 240 people right now. Yeah. Um, and that has a lot of changes um, in terms of um, what is a really, you know, flat hierarchical structure in a company and trying to keep progress moving forward across our business uh, with so many additional headcount coming in uh, on, a, on a really a weekly basis here. Um, and, and part of that is uh, the company's growth, but part of it is also our shifting goals and our involving competitive landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, this business is really competitive, and we need to stay on top of our game to continue to be um, a leader in the space and continue to drive our own performance. And so staying on top of that um, while continuing to grow is, is constantly a challenge and a little bit different than from a, a more mature 
a startup that I had been in before. Well, and speaking of challenges, look, you've been in intense financial services and fast paced technology startups. What was the most unexpected challenges you've come across? I think there's two things that I, I, I think about. Um, the first is, is really a, a personal experience, which is letting go of my own expectations mm-hmm. and finding the, the freedom to recraft my own plans. Um, often I think people come into any experience and they say, you know, uh, you know, coming into blockchain or I'm, I'm moving to a new startup and I've got all of this experience from my previous role and they're hiring me because of the experience. I'm going to bring so much to the table. And then you get to your new environment and you realize there's a whole lot of learning left to be done. And while you're there because of your experiences, it's really your adaptability to new situations that makes you valuable. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things I've really tried to focus on here, that I'm not trying to be too tied to the way things have been done in the past right. and other experiences, or how I even think maybe they should be done, but really adapting to the way things need to be in order for progress to occur. And that takes different forms. It's not necessarily always the ideal way or the cleanest way, but really the way that you can cut through the clutter and and move forward and try to create progress. Um, You know, sometimes that's internal relationships and, you know, market development. Sometimes it's working with customers. Um, A great example of that is uh, in the fintech space. Mm -hmm. Um, While tech tends to be bleeding edge, the the fin part often is not. Lagging, right? So working (laughs) working with customers and their systems and the way they do business and their rules and their managers and their compliance folks to retrofit new features to the market that you're trying to bring forward with the existing landscape of the way they need to work. And so while we might be ready to, you know, to engage with them in a new way or um, try a new product, we have to make sure that the rest of the landscape is also ready and bring them along with us. And so if you were to... Give advice to somebody that's in an operational role currently, and they were interested in getting into a digital asset or blockchain company. What advice would you give them? To, to dive in—that's that's the most important <laughs> advice. And, and by that, I mean, you know, read. Of course, there's there's so much information out yeah. there; it can be somewhat overwhelming. But but really, getting involved in the ecosystem. This is an industry like none other. There are so many conferences. There's so many meetup groups. Yeah. There's so many. Um, highly professional seasoned people in this space coming from financial roles, from operational roles, from trading roles, and everyone's truly excited about it. And people love to talk about Bitcoin and blockchain. Oh, so you're, absolutely. you're never going to, for one, of meeting these people, but using your network, finding these groups, um, just getting involved. And, and before you know it, there will be opportunities that exist because this is, is a, a, a growing space, no doubt. And it's not going anywhere. Definitely not. Yeah. The other aspect uh, of what's unique in you joining Gemini is the relationship that that you have with the uh, CEOs and and co-CEOs of the firm as the uh, managing director of operations. What questions did you ask Cameron and Tyler before coming on board? So, you know, most of the things we talked about, and it's been here a year and a half, so sometimes it's hard to think back because it seems like I've been here so long at this point, (laughs) but it's really just been, been a year and a half. Um, but we spent a lot of time think, talking about my previous experience, how it relates from a market perspective mm-hmm. to the crypto market, how things might evolve or they might not evolve, and really talking about um, experiences that exist at both a high level mm-hmm. as well as on a very tactical level. Um, and and for, for Gemini, because we operate in such a, a lean environment and we're so results-driven, 
from an operational perspective, you know, I think that one of the key attributes of being able to be successful here is being able to work with limited direction, but still being able to deliver um, great results. And I think that's probably the, the biggest thing that um, we focus on. Why don't we shift gears a little bit? Uh, really curious as to finding out who were some of the early mentors for you? Did you have mentors all throughout your career? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So so early on, I, I can't say that when I was investment banking, there were any true mentors that mm-hmm. existed in the space. Uh, but by the time I got to ISE, I, I had a number of them. And we were a very um, small startup company uh, early on. And so over the many years I was there, I had a chance to see many different aspects of that business and grow with that business. Mm-hmm. So everyone from uh, what ultimately was our, our chairman uh, on down to many of the technical people at the organization really served as mentors or key relationships for me as I grew my role at ISD. And after the many years, having really seen every aspect of the organization, it was a very natural fit to end up running the organization Mm -hmm. um, because I had different opportunities to work within, um, obviously, sales and product, running that, the operational aspects of the day-to-day management, um, having partnered with the finance team, um, having been really involved in the regulatory program uh, and worked with marketing communications uh, as well as the tech team. Those, Those were all really great partners. And in fact, um, now at Gemini, one of the partners I had there for almost a dozen years at ISC is now a partner here as well. Right. Uh, our, our CTO That's is, right. uh, is uh, Rob Cornish, who was at the New York Stock Exchange. But prior to the New York Stock Exchange, he and I worked together for about 12 years at ISC, where he led our technology efforts. And so um, for, for those, I am extremely grateful um, to have had those experiences. Yeah, good to be good to be reunited with someone like Rob. The other question that I had was when we talk about the crypto world, and again, being in such early stages of it's going to be lots of innings, right? What are some of the misconceptions about careers in crypto? I think from an outsider's perspective and, and sort of the naysayers from the traditional space, people still have this view that crypto is the wild, wild west. Yeah. And I think more and more are realizing this is not where the state of crypto is today. The industry has evolved quite a lot. There's been a lot of regulatory developments. There's really an established group of players in this space. And companies, especially Gemini, are recruiting from traditional financial services to help broaden our team um, and and really sort of bring an establishment to the crypto uh, investing community. Uh, our senior team, for example, is comprised of people from NASDAQ and your stock exchange, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, but also JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Bridgewater, you know, just, just to name a few. Right. And I think that's true for a lot of crypto companies that they're looking for seasoned talent. It's not all 24-year-olds in a room coding. Right. Uh, people are looking to build out established businesses, and to do that, they realize they need talent that has experience and maturity to to join those organizations. And so I think people will be pleasantly surprised to see the state of crypto today. Yeah. And I I think that's part of, you know, what I wanted to ask in terms of the type of career path, right? We, when we think about the the crypto world, a lot of the digital asset and blockchain companies that we've been uh, recruiting for, right? When when you and I first started and and we actually posed the question of, would you consider a a career in crypto a few years ago? uh, 
um, you know, someone like you was much more uh, of a progressive thinker, given that you've been in disruptive tech. Uh, but when you think about career paths and pulling from financial services versus technology companies and things like that, what kind of career advice would you offer a person that's transitioning to this industry overall? I think they have to have a view of, of what they want to be doing more than anything else. Are, are they looking to join crypto because they are, um, you know, looking to be in a new industry that's disruptive? Are they looking to join crypto because they're, they're sort of bored in their current career? You know, sort of where, where are they in the landscape of their evolution? I think this industry attracts people and the people that do well here are the people that are really excited and can think outside the box. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of the, the biggest thing to bring to the table when you're thinking about crypto. Because like I mentioned earlier, your expectations walking in are not going to be how things shake out. Um, they're just going to be different by nature. Crypto right. isn't a traditional asset class like equities. It's not FX. It's not commodities. It's not going to fit any mold. It's really about creating a new mold that crypto is. And so um, just people that can, can find themselves to be broader thinkers, bring their experience, um, but really look forward. And, and there is no really, um, I think, sort of punch the clock kind of job that exists in crypto today. You really have to be adaptable to the new environment. Yeah, that makes sense. And Janine, as a female leader in such a cutting edge industry, what advice do you have, particularly for young women interested in a career path like yours? Don't be afraid of the technology. <laughs> I've always operated with, it's okay not to know things, just work hard to figure them out, ask the right questions. Uh, there's a lot about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology that, that I don't understand, and that's okay, so long as I can identify what those things are that I need to know, learn the requirements and, and the aspects that I, I need to do my job well, uh, and, and always be open to learning more. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, and, and from a, and I guess it's true really for everybody, and it's essentially you know true for just young women, but but in particular, not being afraid to ask those questions, and always believing you should have a seat at the table. Um, I've never really looked at any point in my career and said, you know, I, I can't do that or I shouldn't be doing that or that job's not for me. It's always about, well, if I want to do it, I'm going to go after it and just believing that you can. No, that's great advice. Really great advice. I appreciate that. It's really nice to see a female leader in such a nascent industry pioneering the path. We congratulate you on all of your success and continued success in the field. And we're certainly looking forward to hearing more uh, from you and all the wins that Gemini have has had thus far. Thank you. Going from the virtual world to the natural world, my featured company on this episode is Sweet Clover Design. Given all that's happening with the coronavirus and its effect on small businesses everywhere, I wanted to support a local business and budding entrepreneur, Max Apton, who is the founder and owner of Sweet Clover Design, a landscape design and vegetable gardening business in Westchester County, New York. Max spent several seasons as a vegetable farmer and horticulturalist in the New York region. Max and his team of highly trained gardeners offer services like spring cleanups, garden renovation, revamping, pruning, trimming, planting, design, garden maintenance, and more. As spring approaches, we hope that you have a need for such services and that you would consider Max and Sweet Clover Design. Max, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you and I want to support a local entrepreneur and a local businessman. So uh, tell us about Sweet Clover Design. How'd you come up with the name? Thank you all. Let me just start by saying uh, thank you for having me on the show. So excited to be talking to you. 
the name Sweet Clover Design. Uh, well, my background is actually in agriculture. Mm. Um, I was an organic vegetable farmer for mm. several years before starting this business. And clover, um, just as a general class of, of plants, is a really important ecological plant because it plays a role in, without getting too deep into the weeds, pun intended, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it plays a role in nitrogen fixation. And it's a really important plant for feeding soil and taking care of pollinators like honeybees and butterflies and sort of it plays a, an important role. So I thought that Sweet Clover Design sort of spoke to the type of work that I do now for people, which is really a ecologically minded version of landscape design, gardening, vegetable gardening and, um, you know, yard care. Awesome. All right, good. So the people that should be approaching you businesses and residents if they have an unruly yard or if adding some trees and some other, you know, design elements from a, a more natural perspective. Is that the kind of stuff that you do? Yeah, our work sort of runs the gamut. We do a lot of what you just described. Um, we have a lot of clients who maybe just moved into a house or just purchased, ha- purchased a house or have been living in a place for a while and sort of start to realize that they would like to either beautify the surrounding landscape or maybe they are just no longer pleased with it or mm-hmm. maybe it's curb become appeal. overgrown. Maybe, mm-hmm. right, it's fallen into disrepair. Yeah, we do a lot of curb appeal stuff. People who are putting their houses on the market. Yeah. And, you know, first impression goes a long way. And one of the first things people see is literally the curb yeah, um, and how it looks in front of the house. Yeah. Um, so our work runs the gamut. We also do a lot of vegetable gardening for clients. Um, as you know, that's a popular, a popular thing. In Very Westchester. popular. Have, yeah. Apart from people that want to get, you know, chicken coops and all of that. But the vegetable <laughs> farming is, is huge up here. Yeah, we actually did build a chicken coop last year. You but, did? Um, I did, yeah. Very um, cool. But it's, that's sort of outside of our wheelhouse. A yeah. Bit. We, we really more focus on trying to make people enjoy their outdoor living spaces and through doing so, make them a little bit more ecologically friendly. Oh, that's um, great. And it just so happens that you can do it both, like have a beautiful garden and, you know, be helping the surrounding environment. Yeah. So if I wanted to have like my own sort of mini herb garden, would you be able to help with that? Because, you know, I love like cilantro and parsley and like little things that I don't have to run to the store for, but I can have it. And what's the best time of year for me to start something like that? Yeah, I mean, we can definitely help you with something like that. We do a lot of even patio container gardens, like herbs and things like that, depending on on sunlight conditions. But really, now is the time to start planning. Um, The calendar starts to fill up for us, thankfully, um, around this time of year. The planting season, depending on what it is, there's kind of two, as far as herbs and veggies go, there's sort of two planting seasons, one in April and then another one around Mother's Day. Okay. Um, So in April, we're planting greens, herbs, you name it, things that are um, pretty frost tolerant. And of course, we're doing trees and shrubs and flowers and all perennials in in April and May through the summer. So um, now is really the time to start thinking about it, the time to start planning, and of course, the time to uh, call me. Yeah, awesome. So tell everybody, you know, your your website, your contact information. So hopefully everybody will, you know, swamp you and and you'll be running around all over Westchester. I certainly hope so. (laughs) Um, The name of my company is Sweet Clover Design. We can be found at Mm -hmm. sweetclovervdesign.com. You can find us on House under the same name. We have a Facebook page and an Instagram. Great. Um, my personal phone number is 914-494-9967. 
or you can email me. My email is max at sweetcloverdesign.com. Perfect. Good. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll put all the links to your contact information on the podcast and congratulations. And we wish you all the success in the world and hope you have a really great uh, season. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Terrific. Thanks, Max. Well, that's it for our show. Thank you for tuning in to part one of the WWDD crypto series. We hope that you learned a little bit about the emerging world of crypto and digital assets. Stay tuned for part two focused on the people part of crypto. Join me as I interview LJ Brock, the chief people officer from Coinbase, an $8 billion Silicon Valley startup that's one of the largest digital currency platforms in the world. As always, thank you for tuning in. Please stay safe and healthy. Do you have a question for the recruiter or want to feature your company on the podcast? Send me a note at wwdpodcast at gmail.com and I might be able to help. Also, if you found any of this advice helpful, I want to hear from you about it. You can tweet me at wwdpodcast or call and leave me a voicemail at 914-713-5330. I might even play your voicemail on the show. Finally, I would love it if you would please subscribe for free and give me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. That really helps people find the show, and that means I can help more people, and you know, it's just goodness all around. We're here to build a community and empower professionals every day. Please stay tuned for a great lineup of guests, including TV news anchors, Instagram influencers, fashion designers, public relations professionals, management consultants, rock star doctors to the stars, and more. I'm Dipali Vyas. Thanks for listening.